<laughs> Can you hear me? Test, test, test. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All right. Testing. So uh, I was telling you, Joe, that uh, I'll push the button and then we'll go. You'll hear the stuff and then we'll go. Sound good? You sounds brought good. a towel. Did you bring me a towel sounds too? Good. No, but you can use mine. Okay. You can use this side. That sounds good. See, so you use the other <laughs> side because of coronavirus. Back in the day, we could have yeah. been like, oh, you could use this. We could yeah. shake hands, everything like that. But now we just hug. It's cool. I understand. I'm the, I'm the exact same way. Here we go. You ready? Yep. Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything, the 98-2 rule. My dad told me when I was a kid, he said that I was the exact example of the 98-2, which is 98% attitude, 2% aptitude, and I looked at him like he was crazy. I tell people this on almost every single episode, and I thought, Dad, you're saying that I'm silly or that maybe I'm not that smart, but what he was telling me is that my attitude could get me my aptitude, but my aptitude would never fix my attitude. So I love you, Pops. You're amazing. We have on the show today, uh, Mr. Joe Shumpert. I love this because uh, we met uh, years ago, and I, I, was, I was attracted to your mindset right off the bat. And uh, I, I, you're a very successful entrepreneur now, um, but I love the fact of what Joe has, the killer instinct, and that you, you learn that, uh, I think, as we go through today, and we'll learn this. Um, but I believe you learn that through, the, uh, through your competitive nature. And so uh, you played sports growing up, played wide receiver, played for uh, Chatworth High School, right? Chatsworth yeah. High School. You went on and played at the University of uh, Missouri. So Mizzou, right? Am I correct? Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Got it. And then uh, ended up playing uh, a short stint in the NFL. Uh, 49ers. Who was the other one? Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Got it. I wish you would have played for the Titans. I would have liked you more. <laughs> um, you played in, uh, in Canada CFL. too, yeah. CFL, uh, which was awesome. So welcome to the show, Mr. Joe Shumpert. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you, it. You got it, man. So we, I want to jump right into that, that competitive nature and that competitive spirit because it's all about attitude. Um, if you get a chance, guys, check him out on Instagram. It's uh, happy247365. Yes. What about on Facebook? No. no Nothing. Facebook. No TikTok? Facebook. No TikTok. No. Nope. I'm going to get you on TikTok before the end of this. We're getting on TikTok. All right. Okay. I started one. It, it just didn't. It's tough. It didn't go. Yeah. But I think the you editing. Are, the editing part was. Just- I think you have to go, uh, uh, Kevin Hart though. Kevin Hart was like, "I'm on TikTok," and there, and his kids were like, "That ain't a TikTok." He was like, "That's how I do TikTok." <laughs> so, I started doing cringy TikTok is yeah. what I call it because my daughter is 11 and she's mad at me that I'm even on TikTok in the first place. And so, we need to get you on TikTok. But on Instagram, you could get at Joe. It's happy 24 seven 365. And I tell you, like, I wanna wake up in the morning when I see you, when I hear your post, when I see your post. And you made me mad the other day, though. This one post made me mad. You know which post it is? The push-up post? Yes. <laughs> Why you got to do the push-up post? Because how many push-ups you did in a row that, at that one? A hundred. A hundred in a row. Yeah. yeah. One set, just a hundred. Yeah. It doesn't even make me feel good about myself. Where does this competitive nature come from and that attitude, that, that, uh, that, that focus come from? I think uh, a lot of it is athletics. A lot of it is uh, growing up with, with nothing. So uh, it, it transited. Uh, I'm a survivor. And okay. I think of myself as a survivor. Yeah. So I know I got to outwork you to get what I want to survive, but in a good way. Okay. Right. And I know that uh, if I'm a competitor, then I'm only competing with myself. 
So I got to compete with myself every day when I wake up. There's nobody else. I can't compete with nobody else because it's not a race with you. It's a race with me. Wow. So when you were saying as far as Survivor, so take us back, Little Joe. Uh, little Joe growing up. Where'd you, where exactly did you grow up? Uh, East L.A. East L.A. Where? East L.A. Uh, like Pico? In the ghetto. Yeah. Like Pico? Soto, El Monte. Yes. That, that area. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Little Joe, were, were you on your own a lot? Did you yeah. have to, uh, what so was like that? My mom. Okay. My mom was a, a dope fiend prostitute. Okay. You know? My dad was a gang member in and out of prison. Okay. Uh, my mom OD'd when I was 11. Uh-huh. And she passed away. My dad passed away when I was 13. So... So your mom passed away when you were how old? 11. 11. And then your dad passes away when you're 13? 13, yeah. How did he pass away? Uh, he got stabbed in prison. In prison? Pelican Bay, yeah. So at 13 years old, you hear of this, right? Because yes. obviously you're not with him right. during this time. Right. Up until that time, did you visit him? Uh, no, actually, I was incarcerated myself. You were at yeah, 13? Yeah, yeah. I was uh, in California Youth Authority then. You got good stories. Okay, so yeah, yeah, take, take yeah. me take me into this. Take me into this. Okay, so when when did this start? When did the, um, I'm not going to say a life of crime because no, 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 Joe no. is sitting in front yeah. of me right now, yeah. so you ain't in a life of crime. No, no. But you're saying at 11 years old, your mom passes away, yeah. right? Okay. 13, your dad passes away. Yeah. Take us to little Joe. When did, when did little Joe start to choose that fork in the road to go, go one way or the other? So I think uh, what happened was as I got into the point where I was uh, like 10 years old, 11 years old, I got in trouble for like dealing, dealing uh, drugs. And me and my friend JR, um, we broke into the school, so we got in trouble. We stole those Helen Grace chocolates, you know? Yeah. The ones that you sell for yeah. a dollar? Yeah. We, we So you guys were selling them for a charity, but you were keeping the money? No, no, no. You weren't? No, no. Uh, you didn't? No. So we. I wanted to. We stole. So like they used to te- keep it in the teachers' lounge. Yeah. And we were playing basketball one 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 day, and the ball went on the roof. So we got on the roof at the school, but we noticed in the teachers' lounge that the boxes of chocolates were in there. So we were like, "Well, let's break the window," you know. So we broke the window. Did you break it right away, or did you come back? So um, we came back, but his. His JR, JR's brother, Ruben, taught us this trick with spark plugs, right? Which uh, I'm not going to really say exactly what they do, you know, but um, if you. You ain't going to give us no tips, man. I mean, okay. So if you take the fiberglass off of a spark plug. Hey, for those of you listening, Joe just opened a can of worms and then was like, but I'm not going to tell you about how to do this. (laughs) Tell us about the spark plug trick then, man. So like if you take this the fiberglass part off of the spark plug okay. and throw it out a window, it'll shatter it. You don't need a rock. It'll shatter the window. Wow. So Well, most people don't even know what a spark plug is right, anymore. Right. No one changes their oil. You know what I'm saying? So we're, we're safe here, Joe. And, and this is old Joe. Yeah. This, is, this, is, old Joe. This, is, this is old Joe. Okay. This is 10 or 11 years old. You do this. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. that wasn't the gateway. Like, tell me no. the gateway. Like, So I went to... What, what was the first time that you were like... Uh, maybe maybe I go into the grocery store and I jack something or I'm thinking because I remember when it was for me yeah. and my dad's going to listen to this and be mad at me, but it was at Copeland Sports. Actually, it wasn't when a couple of sports. That was the second time. Yeah. The first time was at Long's Drugs and we walked in. My brother said, oh, I like uh, hoop earrings. And I looked around. My brother was my hero. So I was like, 
and I grabbed me some hoop earrings. I put them in my pocket and I sweat. I was sweating. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's hot yeah, in here right yeah. now. And I was sweating the whole time. And then I got outside and I handed them to my brother. I was thinking that I was the man. I was like John Gotti. And then we went to Copeland Sports and we were playing football. And I bought, I, I, I didn't buy it. I stole receiver gloves. Yeah. We didn't even have the money for it. That was my gateway into my life of. I think. Okay, so what was it? Was um, was that the first thing you did? No, that wasn't the first thing. You don't no. smash a window on the first time. No. What'd you do? No, we were we used to always walk into. Uh, at that time, it was Vons. I don't know if there's okay. Yeah, but we used to walk into Vons all the time and like pickpocket candy, you know. And, okay. And um, then like for the local like gang that was there, we used to uh take pull out start car stereos. Yeah. And we were doing that when I was probably like eleven. Okay. No, 10. I was like 9, 10, something like so that. So you would take them, the yeah. pull-out pull pull ones? Yeah. Okay, but if they left it in their car, they deserve that. No, it, I'm we, just joking with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people did. A lot of people, yeah, did, yeah. A lot of people did leave them, you know. And, uh, but that's where the, we learned about the spark plugs. Okay. And, so that's how you broke the window for the car, and then right. you did the thing. Yeah. Okay, so you're, you're 10, 11 years old. Um, you, you start starting on this. It's little stuff. Then you smash the window and yeah. do the, the candy. What's next? I started delivering money and picking up drugs and drugs. How did you money. get it? How, how did this well, start? So my dad, uh, my dad was a gang member okay. and he was involved in, uh, in a gang in, in Almani. Yeah. So, um, when my dad was, went to prison, they used to have me run and I, I, they would call, call me a runner basically. You know? How did, how did this get connected? Cause your dad's in prison. How did the, like, how was the communication? Like, because my mom, my mom was still in, like, she was still there. Okay. I was 11. So so she was still like active and there. With so me. she would communicate with him. Yeah. Letters. Yeah, letters. Go to go to uh she the, would go see him. Go see him in yeah. in, in Pelican in Bay. Pelican Bay, Crescent City. That's up north. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's right by the border. How often would she go see him? Uh like once a month. Okay. Yeah. So you were running. What what age do you start running uh money for him? Probably like 9. 9 years old. Ten. They bought me a bike to do that. Are you kidding? What kind of bike? Yeah, it was a GT Performer. I remember. You got a GT Performer? Yeah, I still remember. Dude, I didn't yeah. even get a GT Performer, man. Yeah. They bought me a GT Performer to to do that. That's all I did. I had a backpack full of money, and I would drive it from one how? end of San Garvey, from San Anita to Garvey, to, uh, to Rosemead and Garvey. How much money was in the backpack? I don't know. You ever check it? Did you ever just like, you were nine years old, you, didn't even, you weren't even curious enough to open uh, it. Were you freaked uh, out? Yeah, I was told not to. So, how heavy? So, it was heavy. Like how heavy? Like 10 pounds? Back then, it was heavy, right? So now, yeah, probably like 5, 10 pounds. Okay, so if I got a backpack right now and I weighed and I handed it to you, would you know about the weight? Yeah. Have you yeah. ever put 20s or 100s in a backpack to feel how much it weighed yeah, it, to see how much you would have been carrying? I know that it was enough to get me two bricks because that's what I would drop off and they would give me the money back. <sighs> so I knew that it was enough to get me two bricks and now I know what bricks are, so it was like, okay, so now I understand what bricks mean, but back then I didn't, you know? So, so I would, nine years old. I would give them the bricks, they would give me the money. And you would ride home. Yeah. How nervous are you riding there with the bricks? You're nine years old, you're doing this on a GT Performer. Yeah. You doing tricks on the way there? No, I'm you just popping wheelies? I'm just riding. You jumping off curbs and stuff? Yeah, I was. Yeah. You were? Yeah. I was okay. just riding. Just riding. Yeah. Focused? I was... Yeah, I was pretty focused. First couple times, you're freaked out. Yeah, because I, I didn't really know. I knew what I had, and I knew what I was doing, 
but I didn't really know the danger that was around me. Any of your buddies, one of the times, stop you and be like, yo, just talking with you, and you're thinking, I got to go. Oh, uh, they would try all the time. I would tell them, keep up, and I would just... Just yeah. talk to them while you're going? Yeah. Okay. What because about... I had a time limit. Seriously? Yeah, they gave me a time what limit. What was the time like limit? An hour. And you had to be back? Yeah. You ever not get back? No. No. You were focused? Yeah. Because I, I went, because I knew I was going to be able to eat when I got back. Right, because my mom didn't have no money. We lived in a motel, so it was like I, my mom didn't have any money, and she was always on dope in the bathroom. So I knew when I got back, I was gonna get money. I was gonna go to gyms to get a burger and fries. Right, so that I knew that that was like my my walk, my gateway to okay. food. So when I get there, I go and they give me three hundred dollars. Is it? And I I would go eat and then go play video games with my friend Jr. You got three hundred dollars and nine years old. Every day. Every time I went. Well, it was not every day. Three times a week. Three times a week. So you got $900 a week. There's people right now not making $900 a week. $900 a week. What'd you do with the $900? Candy and video games. Did you you put anything away? Because I didn't know about saving until just recently. Like, thanks a lot, Pop. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? My mom was a saver. Yeah. She didn't talk about it a lot, but my, I give my dad a hard time. Yeah. My no. dad, uh, you know. No, not at all. Not at all. $900 a week. Yeah. Okay. So we're GT performing $900 yeah. a week. How long does this last? You're nine years old. Um, it probably until I was like 10. Well, I got, um, yeah, I was probably about 11. It was Wait. right before my mom passed away. Okay, what year is this? What year? How old are you now? You're young. 36. Okay, you're young. Yeah. You're still wet behind the ears. That's what my dad used to say. I don't even know what that means. 37, I'm 37, sorry. 30, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. So he's sorry. still young. Yeah. Do you, okay, have you ever done the math on how much money you were making a year? No. Okay, I'll give you the math real quick, right? So $900 a week, 50 weeks in a year, $45,000 a year. Yeah. Two more weeks because 52 weeks, right? Yeah. Two more weeks, $1,800 more. So we're talking $46,800, almost $47,000 in nine years old a year. Yeah. And I'll give money to my mom. Yeah. Yeah, I was giving money to my mom. Okay. So. All right. Yeah. So you're running. You're yeah. doing this stuff. Okay. Now it becomes normal, natural. Like by 10, 11 years old, it's normal, natural. Right. Mom passes away. What do you do then? Uh, I end up going to, I end up getting busted before my mom passed away. How? Actually. So um, I started like, giving dimes to people like uh you know like selling drugs okay so i was giving them to people and then i got caught you know like the fire alarms in like apartment buildings okay so back it up a little bit because you just said i've given dimes and then you went okay how did that transpire were you you weren't taking it out the bricks that you had No, no 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 so i uh he was just telling me like if i wanted to make more money this is what i would do okay they're smaller yeah once, and you could take this, you just bring me back the money. Right. And I'll give you a cut of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got so it. I was, uh, he would give me like six rocks, like six dime rocks. Okay. And then I would hide them, but this, that's where the fire alarm, because I would hide them under the, the fire alarm in the hotel. You know, like the red fire alarms that you see when you walk through yeah. apartments. And, yeah, yeah, And then one night, um, the cops was were driving up, and I didn't even notice, and... That's how they got me. They caught me pulling drugs out of the fire. How line. old were you at this time? Uh, 10. You were 10, 10 years old. What'd yeah, they 10. do? They took me in, and because my mom, she wasn't at home. She was uh, hooking at the time. Like okay. She was, she was working, 
or street block or whatever you call it. And um, so it was me and my friend JR actually got busted. Okay. So we went and we were sitting inside the, the Almani station and his mom uh, didn't, like she was like a recovering addict. Yeah. And like she was in and out of the prison, but like she was home. So like they called her, she picked like the, she called, they called the motel, the motel went to the room got her my mom was still not there so she came and got jr so long story longer is my mom his mom went to go get my mom and sobered her up so they came and got me the next day and by then i was in los padrinos which is in juvenile in downey okay and uh so they came and got me they released me the next day and then i had court in pomona and then um they found out that my dad was also wanted for, I was wanted for my dad because for questioning, because I seen my dad do something. And uh, so they wanted him to, they wanted me as a witness, you know? So um, they ended up holding me the next time I went to court, which is a month later. And then that's how it all started with me going in. So you went in, you went into juvie at this time. Yeah, I was in juvie. What age? uh, I was 11. You were 11 years old. Yeah, it was just about to turn 11. Because they couldn't send me to uh, to Central Juvenile Hall, they couldn't send me to Central Juvenile Hall because I was uh, I wasn't eleven yet. Okay. So I had to stay in Los Padrinos and uh, in the kid care. That's what they called it. They called it kid care. Uh huh. And um, so I went from there to uh, um, I got out, and then my mom, they we went to court the following month. And they ended up ha- kept keeping me. And then they uh, placed me on a uh, hold, they called it, in a placement home until I was able to get transported. So I was 11. And then they moved me from there to uh, Central Juvenile Hall. And then I was withholding information. And then they found um, that, like I, like, I got busted. They found out I got busted. I got out. And then I went back in for uh, for fighting. Then I got out, but it just that's what started that whole the whole history of everything. Now, most of the time, people talk about uh, once a person gets in the system, it's very hard to get out of it, right? I want to. We're going to go to that, but the first thing I want to tell us about, like when you get sentenced, right? Now you're going to juvie. Yeah. Your first, like when they're taking you in, what's going through your mind? At this time, just what my dad taught me, which is to I have to respect myself. Okay. And I have to like I respect can't, yourself. How like and what, I can't what, let nobody question my manhood. Basically, really. So it was like basically you were going to go in, and you were going to make sure that because once that got questioned, then you were going to get run over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just remember my dad. He's always uh, imputed that in me, which is to respect myself. Okay. You know, and understand who I am as a man. Yeah. understand who I am as a as a being. Okay. Even when I was young and even though he was in that part of the life. Yeah. He still re, uh always told me to respect myself, you know. And so what was the first part to to show that when you went in because I mean, yeah, it, it was totally different than I thought. What did um, you think it was going to be? I was going to be fighting every day. Okay. And having to prove myself every day and people were going to question me every day and it was totally not like that, you know. Um until I turned 12 years old and I got shipped to, 
to CYA. And then it was different because it was more of a like a gladiator kind of really? kind of kind of place where it was right from the, the right from get go, yeah, right from jump. Yeah. And everybody's in and I didn't really uh my dad was the gang member. I wasn't the gang member, you know. So it was a uh, um having to prove myself out of that it it's like I wanted to hang around the people that I knew were going to protect me, but at the same time, I didn't really want to hang around with the people that I needed to. Yeah. So it, it caused me a lot of drama, you know, and then I was never being Brazilian. I was never black enough and I was never <sighs> Hispanic enough, you know? Yeah. So it, uh, it created issues, you know, because I didn't, you know, they, what do you consider yourself? Well, human, you know, that was my, you know, but they were like, well, are you Hispanic or black? Well, I'm both, you know, and I'm an Afro Latino or, you know, but at 12, I'm, I'm neither, you know, are you Mexican? No. Like, are you black? No. So it created a lot of issues for me. So I, and then my dad growing up, we would always fight anyways. Like he would teach us how to fight in the, really? in the projects okay. we were fighting. The kids would fight other kids. Like within the projects, the dads would just look at us, slap box, box, and they would just look at us, you know? So fighting was second nature anyways. And, um, you know, you, you get to a point where you're just, my mind, that's all I knew was, okay, well, I got to prove myself. Let's, let's go, let's get it over with. But after a while I knew, so it was like two years and six months later, I'm ready to, I got an interview and that's where this transition comes from, Mm -hmm. from where so like two years and six months, I got an interview um, for this camp, and it was a, a gladiator school. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw that movie with The Rock called Gridiron Gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was based off of that. So I got uh, invited to go to this camp because my marks, so like when you're in there, you get like these certain marks for behavior, you know, and they were really low. So um, I went a year and a half with like no fights, no nothing, I just did my thing, you know, and, um, cause of my dad had just passed away. So I was like, mentally, I was not there. So I was just very depressed, you know, but they told me I can box and I could play football at this place. So I, I was like, yeah. And that's how it all started. I went to Clamp Kilpatrick uh-huh. and I was there. And then, um, like, cause at that time you used to play, CIF schools, yeah, to uh, to get them ready for their season. So you played their their non scrimmage games, uh huh, to uh or scrimmage games or how, yeah, you played the scrimmage games to get them ready for their their season. You know, really. And I would play like we play like Alamany High School, and they would mm-hmm. usually like just beat on us because they were so organized and they were just a bunch of like troubled kids. You know, yeah. But uh, at that time, it was just the second year of uh you know patrick started the program so they didn't have jv and varsity so i had to play varsity so there was like no so i was playing with 17 almost 18 year old kids that were like getting ready to make the transition because a lot of them were going to prison if they weren't if they weren't straightening out you know yeah and then uh so i had to there i had to be tough so but it learned i learned the discipline of my athleticism Uh and i learned that I was, um, that I was gifted in that sense, you know, that I can hang with 
the guys who were older than me and I was supposed to be there. And then um, we played Alamany High School and Ron Martinez, which was, uh, he was a coach at Chatsworth High School. They were playing Alamany High School the following week. So he came to scout Alamany High School. And that's how it all started, which is he, he's the one that told me that he knew of a group home. Uh, well, he came down and asked me after the game uh, because I had a good game that game. And he came down and asked, like, the coach if he could talk to me. So he talked to me, and he goes, well, I got to um, – he asked me what I plan on doing. And I was like, well, I don't know. I don't, you know. And he's like, well, do you plan on going into foster care? Do you plan on getting released? I was like, I don't know. You know, that was my answer. I don't know. He goes, well, what if I knew of a placement home? Would you be interested? So at the time, you know, I was so mad at the world. I was like, well, this is just another guy tired, like, going to walk away from me and not really, you know, follow through. So he, um, but like, you know, I said like three weeks later, four weeks later, I forgot all about it, but I got another interview. So this guy, Mark Grimes, came and, uh, and interviewed me, and he he was asking me if I was still gang affiliated or if I was involved and what I plan to do in my future and all this these questions. And I go, well, I don't know. And then he goes, well, we'll be in touch. So again, I was like, ah, okay. So three weeks later, comes by, and I happen to get into a fight right inside there, and um, I just remember him. I just remember them saying. Okay, you're 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 moving. So roll up, get all your stuff, your belongings. We're transferring you out, right? So my mind is thinking I'm in trouble for the fight. I forgot all about the guy coming to visit me. So, um, and then I got uh, there was a van waiting for me, and I they had me put on my regular clothes, uh, which I didn't fit anymore. So they uh, put me in like some jeans, and a white T-shirt, and I went to this place. It was called Rancho San Antonio. It was in Chatsworth, California, and that's uh, how it all started. And then I played there. I, I started playing my 10th grade year at Chatsworth because I had to go through an orientation program, so I missed that first season. Yeah. And I started going to Chatsworth uh, for spring, and... And then I ran track, I played baseball, and then I played football. And then it was like uh, that, the end of that, like probably like the eighth game into the season, I got my first letter from University of Arizona. And that's when I knew that I had a, had a gift and I can do something with it. What were you running in track? Uh, the 100 and the four, 200. Really? Yeah. What was your 40 yeah. time in high school? Oh, it was slow. It was slow? Yeah. No, like, it wasn't. Probably like four, six. That's not slow. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean you're, you know, you're not. Not like, you know. Well, now, I mean, now yeah. people are freakishly, yeah. you know. Like but that's four, six. Four, yeah. six is good. I mean, yeah. it's legitimate. So you're you're playing. You're, you start playing football, Chatsworth. You start running track. You start. Uh, how hard was it to transition into Chatsworth as far as going to high school when you just came out of juvie? You've been in it, it for tough. two and a half or two and a half, three years, yeah. right? Yeah you're coming out of it, you're in this kind of almost gladiator kind of feel like, hey, you're challenging me, I'm going to whoop your tail. Yeah. And these, a lot of these kids that are in there don't really have anything to lose. Now you go to a high school, yeah. this kid maybe says, hey, you, you, know, you looked at my girl wrong. Yeah. I mean, this is, that person doesn't know what they're in for. 
Yeah, it, when they come up against you. It was a big, big culture shock. Okay, so what's the first fight that happens at high school? Because that kid probably caught a bad one yeah. when he, you know what I mean? Like yeah. my dad said to me once, or my, one, of, one of my friends told me, he said, when he was growing up, and I just told my dad this, when, he said when I was growing up, I used to fight my dad, like, like fight my dad like a man, Yeah. right? And he said, and that's how I grew up. So by the time I was 13 or 14, after fighting a man, yeah. when I went to school and a kid had a problem with me, there was not really a problem. Yeah, no. That's exactly okay. what it is. So take me yeah. into that. Yeah. You go to high school. You've yeah. been fighting men yeah. that don't really have anything to lose. Yeah. Now this kid is like, yo, you know, you stepped on my shoe. So my first fight at Chatsworth was this kid. He uh, thought he was a gang member. Right, and he he walked up and and he wasn't like a real because you knew real. I mean, yeah. you understood real gang members. Yeah, so he like walked up to me and in front of the whole like in during lunch, you know, and I told him, you know, like he like made a big deal, and I just whispered to him and I said, if you really want to figure this out, we can take it to the restroom with nobody in there and just me and you. And uh, you know, he wanted to be all tough, so I, you know. And I go, I don't want a lot of teachers coming. I don't want nobody in there. I was like, because we have to figure it out, you know? And because that's how you did it inside there. When you fought, you fought. Unless people just, because there was guys who were like, they just went crazy and they popped off the handle and they yeah. just did things, you know, and just punched people. But it wasn't like that. If it was a fight, you were going to go into the washroom or into like because a, you didn't want it broken closet. up because right. you wanted it to make make yeah. sure it got handled. Yeah, so you okay. went into the closet where the where the brooms and stuff were, you know, and you just handled it, you know, and uh, and then you just walked out, and it w- it is what it is, or you didn't walk out, you know, but you're you're gonna get it handled. So, um, it lasted like probably like twenty five seconds, you know, and he. He came after you in public. He said, after you whispered to him, that's some gangsters right there. Like, I'm going to whisper to you real quick. Uh, you want to do this? Because he was, like, in my face. And then know? he, yeah. You know, and then that's yeah. when I. But that's still gangster. Even if he's in your yeah. face and you whispered to him, yeah. like, that's and, gangster. And I was like, we can go into the bathroom after <laughs> school and, you know, we can handle it. Did you go to the bathroom or did he try to do it right then? Yeah, he wanted to do it right there in that's front of the school. That's a bad time. And I go, I was like, I don't want it to be broken up. I was like, I don't want a lot of teachers to get involved. We can go to the bathroom if you really want to do this. You know, he tried to push me. I just walked away. I was like, just meet me in the bathroom after school. And it's not know, a good time. And I went, went, you know, and then I kept fighting because it it became that to where it was like a testing kind of thing. Did you know though understand. that well, all that was at risk? Because I mean. Here you are, you get an opportunity, right? Yeah. So you're in, you're playing in high school. Yeah. You get a letter from a college. You're there. Yeah. I mean, is it registering in your head that all this could go away? Yeah, it, it it was, but at the bigger than that, it was hearing my dad say, "Don't let nobody question my manhood." <sighs> the reason why I'm asking you this is because there's a lot of people who listen or are going to see this, right? Yeah. And they've they've heard stories of. Uh, something similar, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, you're a miracle. You start at nine years old, you're running bricks. Yeah, yeah. And you're doing it in a backpack and you're picking up money and you're driving back. You make it to the NFL. 
Like you own your own business now. You've made it through those things and use those principles. But there's a lot of people that will listen and say, like, here you're getting this opportunity, right? Right. To almost get out, but you're bringing this mentality into it. Help us to understand that. I understand it yeah. because it's, it's ingrained. Like you said, you keep hearing your pop in it and your pop was your, your guy. Yeah. It, help someone that is out there that maybe doesn't understand you're on the precipice of something great, yeah. but you're bringing this other thing in. Are, are you conscious of it? No, because you, 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 I think because I understood that um, my manhood was was my respect. Okay. And I thought that that's all that mattered. Okay. Right? Yeah. So, so good, bad, and ugly, I was going to defend it. Yeah. And not until um, Coach Martinez called me in his office and was like, you got one more time. This is your last time. That one more time was this last time. Really? It's not going to happen again. What did he say was going to happen? He goes, I'm going to kick you out of the school, and I don't know what Rancho's going to do. I don't know what Rancho's going to do with you. Okay. You know, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if they're going to send you back, but you're not doing this at my school. You're not going to be a thug at my school. You are going to play football. You're going to be athletic, and you're going to graduate. Wow. If you don't want to do that, give me your pads. Give me a backpack and just go back to the, to the ranch and let them do what they will. He goes, but I'm invested in you. So you got to invest in yourself. Wow. Are you still connected with Coach Martinez? I am. Yeah? Yeah. Big ups to him. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to be able to see what a coach can do. What age are you at this? Are you, in, uh, are you a junior? I'm 15. You're 15. Are yeah. you a junior or are you a, yes. a sophomore? Sophomore. Sophomore. Then you, you ball out, right? You go. Out. You go. Yeah. I mean, I you're in. Home. And then, so what I started doing is uh, getting up in the morning, and that's when that started, is I started transitioning to a study group to where I would leave late. I would go, to, go from practice. I would run after uh, everybody was gone. I would run bleachers, sprints, and then I will go study because um, baseball, uh, they're, they're – uh, their study group started at seven to nine. So I would go, I wouldn't be able to go with them because I was playing football at the time. So they would uh, have a different uh, Museborn coach. Museborn would have a different tutor for me because he didn't want uh, me to be involved with the baseball team. Cause I wasn't part of the baseball team then. Okay. But he had a tutors that were willing to help athletes. So like I went in, I had my own little tutor, you know, Okay. Um, from seven to nine. So I was still in the same, building but i was doing my own thing you know on and then i would wake up in the morning coach cone would come and open the gym for me at five and i would work out from five to six thirty go in the locker room shower be in class by seven thirty and i'll do that every day when did you start choosing football or did you play all of them throughout high school and then football just kind of no, became football and track but football came easy okay i tried all of them I tried swimming. Did you? Yeah, I tried swimming. What what event? Uh, whatever the straight one was. I don't. I don't okay. really know. Yeah. How would you I, do I in swimming? swimming? Did you like it? Yeah. No, not really. Not really. It wasn't for me. The speedos were tough for me. Yeah. yeah. It was tough to like when they said yeah because you know when they said you got to go. I mean, if you're swimming, you got to go speedo. I was yeah. like, I'm out. Yeah. You know, because in high school you ain't trying to be in a speedo. No. no. 
But it, you it, went speedo. Yeah. You did. Yeah. Just right yeah. at just hey, I'm yeah. just doing it. Yeah. I tried everything. Gangster. Every sport. Tennis. Gangster. Whispering to people to wear in a speedo. Yeah. Tennis. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you play tennis too? Yeah. Really? I was horrible. You were horrible. I was horrible. Okay. Cheryl still laughs at me because she beats me all the time. Because you were bad. She beat me. You got ping pong game? Uh a little bit. You alright? You are a little you, bit. My got... my hand eye coordination, you know. Okay. We used to play that in the in the winter at Missouri all the time. Okay. We used to play in the winter. So all right. but that yeah, that's how um so you go, uh, you're go, you go in. You're you're playing baseball. You're playing football. You're doing the thing, but football just comes natural. You start gravitating yeah. towards it. Track your. I mean, you're 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 getting after it, and yeah. you're utilizing that in football. Where you guys go, like your junior year, senior year, how are you guys in CIF? Uh, well, we're a city school. We were a city school. Okay. Uh, but um, but we were good. You know, yeah. we were good. We beat uh Birmingham, which they were undefeated. You okay. know that t- time, um, but. Um, where are you living at this time? Uh, in a group home, still in a group home. Yeah, How but many I was kids? emancipated. How many kids? I emancipated at sixteen. At sixteen, you emancipated yeah. yourself, so that means so I was on my own. Okay, you were on so, your own at sixteen years old. Yeah. Did you get your own apartment? Yeah. How did you get your own apartment? Yeah. It's part of the ROP program they had. Yeah. Um. So, and then they had this Chafee program. Okay. Uh, for like kids in foster home and youth. So to where they paid for your apartment. They paid for your apartment. Mm-hmm. But uh, you we, had to, like, go to school and maintain a job. So I worked 37 hours at Sears uh, in the merchandise pickup. Yes. Yeah. I Did worked. you ever work in the scratch and dent uh, no, part of Sears? No. You know what I'm talking about, though? Uh-uh. Scratch and dent, man. When did we get a scratch or a dent, you would get a discount on it. No. Man. Oh, in the back? It's the Sears, discount? yeah. Did, no, no, it, was scratch, in, it was called scratch and dent. Yeah, I just worked in merchandise pickup. Big ups to Sears. I don't even yeah. know. If, is Sears around anymore anymore? Yeah, yeah. It are. is? Are you yeah. sure? Yeah, they are. Okay, Sears, yeah. Sears and Roebuck. Yeah. There's Roebuck, yeah. Scratch and dent. Now yeah. you need to check out. So most people are listening. They're like, what is scratch and dent? It was yeah. gangster. You would have, literally, you would get the, remember the big house speakers? You yeah. would get it. It would just have a little scratch on it, and you would get that bad boy like 75% yeah. off. Ghetto as yeah. could be. That's, that's where my family was. Um, so you're working 37 hours. You got your own apartment. You live by yourself? Yeah. You living with a couple people? No, just me. At 16? Yeah. That's awesome. It was dope. What, okay, what, kind, dope. <laughs> what kind of food are, is in your fridge at the time? Uh, mustard, mayonnaise, mustard, mayonnaise, hot dogs, little Juan hot dog, uh, little yeah. Juan burritos, yeah, hot dogs, the Celeste pizzas, yes, yes, know, uh, a lot of uh, top ramen, a lot of top ramen. Yeah. You go cup Peanut of noodles, butter. you go cup yeah. of noodles, you go top uh, ramen, top ramen, top ramen. ramen with egg, yes, yeah, yes. Okay, so you're doing that. When fried you're... bologna, fried bologna sandwich, That's the best thing in the yeah. world, man. Fried bologna sandwiches, fried bologna is gangster. Yeah. What kind of cheese? Did you ever use real cheese or you have always, yeah, Velveeta? And the slices? Cheryl still hates that. Slices? (laughs) Did you have, did you have name brand Velveeta? Oh, yeah. You did? Yeah, yeah. Not growing up. You were, oh, yeah. I was about to say. Growing up, but. You went big time. Yeah. I didn't ever have Because I was getting food stamps. Really? I was getting, yeah, I was getting EBT. That's when they were actually stamps too, huh? Yeah. Okay, before the card happened. Yeah. The card helped out with the psyche of people too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like when you have a credit card, you swipe the credit card, yeah. you, you're like, wow. Yeah. But when you used to have to roll up with some stamps, oh, yeah. that was a whole yeah. different level. Yeah. I remember I, not to go back far, but I used to have to trade them in for my mom. I used to go sell them mm-hmm. for like, get like something for like 10, 15 cents. So I yeah. get like that. Yeah. All the time. We used to sell, we used to get free lunch at school. So we get yeah. uh, lunch tickets for free and then we would sell them. And then uh, we would end up buying regular food with it. I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's yeah. silly I stuff, that. but you know. So, when do you start getting letters for uh, colleges? 
Tenth grade. Tenth grade. Yeah. yeah. So you're balling out. Yeah. And then eleventh grade, I was actually not eligible. Why? I became not eligible because my grades. Yeah. Knucklehead. Yeah. Because where were your grades at? I stopped going to tutoring. You stopped going to tutoring. Yeah. And uh, so I ended up not being eligible for the playoffs. Yeah. Joe. And you uh, weren't listening to I, Coach Martinez or what? I, and that's the thing, right? Is is I could have he could have put my grade through, but uh, I stopped going to practice. To, like he told me, right? Because I was chasing. Oh, what were you chasing, chasing. Joe? <laughs> what were you chasing, Joe? I was chasing. What were you chasing, man? The rabbit. Okay, the rabbit. Okay, yeah, you know that's what they call yeah. them nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "There's never been another Cheryl." So I just want to let you know this is all hypothetical, Cheryl. We just want to let you know that all hypothetical. Yes, all hypothetical. That's why I tell so my you're wife my too. My only one. Yes, ever, ever, ever even thought of. Never. That's what I tell my wife too. Yeah. That's what I tell her. Yeah. Hypothetical. And I don't want to hear about any other dude in her life no. either. No, not and at all. No, no, no. So no. please don't say anything. Exactly, don't exactly. He'll have to whisper to him and say, meet me in the bathroom <laughs> is what it is. Oh, yeah, the broom no. closet or something like that. Uh-uh. Okay, so, Chasen, you ain't listening to Coach Martinez. You no. you go back knucklehead. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so no. Knuck- not full grown. Not, not, not full blown, blown knucklehead. But, but I missed two classes, so I was... Uh, so like I did I two got a, full classes or no, two days D, of class? I got a D because I didn't turn in my, my, my report. So okay. I got a D, so I, I was one point off. And I could have did the work, but Mar- Martinez said, do the work, and he made me turn in the next day after playoffs. That's a, that's a smart man, though. I mean, teaching yeah. discipline. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You were probably mad at him at the time. 100%. Okay. You know. Is he a big him, dude? No. No, little no, dude. Little dude. Little dude. Could have choked him out? Oh, yeah. Okay. But he had that like Jedi warrior on you, yeah, though. He had yeah. that, uh, that. You ever seen Blood and Blood Out? Yes. He had that Montana kind of. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like not the scariest looking guy, but you like. Have I seen Blood and yeah, Blood Out? Yeah. Yes. Not the scariest looking yes. guy, but you like something about yeah, you. Yeah, I don't you don't want to touch. Yeah, it's like Joe Pesci. You yeah. know what I mean, Joe Pesci. You don't want to yeah. mess with that. You get exactly. stabbed in the pen. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Okay, so you you go knucklehead a little bit, yeah. uh, junior year, senior year. But that was. Him doing that to go back, props to Martinez. Prop, Mark, was, I love Martinez. That was the biggest impact on my life. Really? Was that. Yeah. Big shout out Coach Martinez. On that, at that time. You we know? need to get uh, Martinez on the show. Yeah. He, he, he helps, he's helped a lot of kids. Okay. You know? So senior year, what did we do? Is I took it serious, serious. Okay. And um, football was just my number one. It was it, there was nothing else. I didn't go out. I didn't hang out. I didn't talk to anybody during lunch. I studied film. No rabbits. No rabbits. Okay. No rabbits. I had a girlfriend. Okay. But hypothetically, uh, it was a rabbit. Hypothetically, but it was a rabbit. Okay. <laughs> uh, Cheryl, he had a hypothetical. <laughs> but um, I just studied film the whole time on my on my off time. Okay. I um, I ran, worked out. Who'd you look up to at this time? Like who was you? Because you were playing receiver. Matt Castle. Matt. Ca- you know who I was just with? Who? Matt Castle? Matt Castle. Yeah. Yeah. He was my quarterback in high school. No way. Yeah. My so, ninth grade year. No way. Yeah. He was right. Uh, Chatsworth. One of my uh, one of my uh one of my really good friends, Sarah Nesperos, um, she uh is really good friends with his wife. Yeah. And then we went to her uh wedding yeah. and Matt and his wife were right across from us. Yeah. I was giving him a hard time. He was a Tennessee Titan too. Yeah. Yeah. Tennessee Titan for a okay. while. Okay, so you looked up to him. Yeah. Yeah. So you looked up to him, but that's in school. But who do you pattern your game after? Like when you're looking at in the pros, things like that at the time, your wide receiver, who Dion, are you looking at? 
Dion? Dion, yeah. Sanders? Yeah. Okay. That, that was, you know, that was Did you my play DB? For, did you play DB in high school? Yeah. You did? Yeah, I played DB in high school. Did you school. lay the hat? Yeah. So you weren't uh, uh, patterning yourself after Dion then? <laughs> he can lay the wood. <laughs> he can lay it. I'm joking with you. I want Dion on the show. Dion, that's I'm going to tell you that. I'm, I'm going to tell him no, that. No, 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 no. You didn't hear that from me. No, no, no. He, he was laying it, though. He, yeah. In the pros, though. I mean, he wasn't. I mean, oh, he, yeah. He was still laying in the pros. He was laying in the pros. Yeah. It was just so quick. Okay. You, could, you, you know. He was more known and for his you, finesse. And then you don't really have to hit when you, when ain't nobody catching on you. Yeah, yeah. That was the fastest when dude. you can shut down one side of the field. Yes. You know. They're original. Yeah. Okay. Remember, so, I said that. I said that. <laughs> I, I said that I hadn't seen you hit, Dion. I want, it, I want you on the show. So then that way we could talk about that. But, so, patterning after uh, Dion, that's where you yeah. want to go. You, uh, you're playing DB uh, and receiver. Yeah. You go, you get an offer to Mizzou. Why do you go to Mizzou? Well, I didn't go to, I didn't get an offer right out of high you school. Didn't. From from Missouri, I got okay. a. Uh, I went to Oregon State first. You did, and then uh, after Oregon State, I um, didn't like it there. And why? Then, uh, Coach Jackson left. Okay. So I followed him to Missouri. So why didn't you like it in Oregon State? It was just uh, it wasn't for me, and they wanted to move me to receive uh, to corner, and I oh, didn't really? want to play corner. Okay. And then the offense, uh, we had Ken Simulton there, and then we had Stephen uh, Stephen Jackson. I wasn't going to play over those guys. So I was like, one was a junior, one was a senior. I uh-huh. wasn't going to get no playing time at, at running back or receiver. Yeah. Because they, they brought me in as a running back. At Oregon State, Stephen Jackson was there yeah. during that time. Yeah. 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 And then Ken Simulton was a, ahead of him. Okay. So Ken Simulton was better than Stephen Jackson at the time uh, nationally. Okay. Right. So, um, so. Coach Jackson, our offensive coordinator there, ended up leaving and going to Missouri with Pinkle. So that's okay. how I... So you went to Mizzou. I went to Mizzou. Yeah, you went to Mizzou. Okay. Well, actually, I went to Moore Park first. You did? Moore Park College first. Okay. Because you have to sit out a season. Yeah. A, a year. So I went to Moore Park College, then I went there. That's a junior college? Junior college, Okay. Yeah. So then you go on to Mizzou. Who are you playing with at that, at that point? Uh, Chase Daniels. Got it. Well, Brad Smith was there. Uh-huh. This was last year, and then Chase Daniels. Uh-huh. And then, uh, you know, Jeremy Macklin, all those guys are there, yeah. Right on. So how does it go for you? How's the jump from high school to, uh, to, pro, or to, uh, to college? Because Big difference. Big difference. Why? Discipline. Discipline. Discipline-wise. Is it that much in the talent level, or is it the discipline that takes you to the, the different place every, and the focus? Every step was discipline. Really? Was the difference. Okay. It's like, because uh, the things you can get away with, you couldn't get away with in college. What could you get away with in high school? You couldn't get away with in college. Like running a 13 and 13 yard pattern instead of a 14 yard pattern. Seriously? Yeah. So it was just like a game of like, you know, a yard inches. Yeah. And that was, but it made a difference because it didn't only affect you. It affects the next person. Wow. You know, it affects his route. Okay. And his route. And then where he drops the ball into, you know, and there's a reason for everything. So, uh, in football, that's really, really, really true. Okay. There's a reason why you do things at a certain depth Yeah, and run a, a pattern a certain way. Okay. Know? And that was the biggest reason why I didn't go farther because I was very undisciplined with my attitude and how I saw the game and I did a lot of things and that it drove me certain ways. So you went through, you go through college, you, you do really well in college. Um, you go in, do you go in as a free agent into mm-hmm. the uh, NFL? Yeah. Okay, yeah. what's the first team you play for? Yeah. San Francisco. San Francisco. But 49ers. then I get cut. Then okay. I got cut. How waived. long into it? 
Like three weeks. Okay, you said that there was an acronym for the NFL when we first met. You were sitting at the dryers, and you said it. You and I, I almost fell out laughing. We Not were laughing. for long. Not for long. Tell us why. Because that's exactly, uh, you know, the average, uh, the average career is three years, if that. For for anybody who uh, is not doing what they're supposed to do, the average career for somebody who's doing what they're supposed to do is five years. You know, that's why they made the retirement six. Wow. So tell us, too, because now you're looking at, you're mm-hmm. looking at me. You're almost, uh, you know, for those of you watching, you can see his smile. His smile yeah. is infectious. But for those of you listening, when he said, I wasn't disciplined enough, and that's why I didn't go through, and that's why I didn't stick around in it, you smiled in it almost yeah. to say, like, I learned my lesson. Help me into the psyche of that part of it because it's almost like you know now and you've applied yeah. it in other areas of your life. Oh, yeah. So yeah. take me through that because you're this kid who, I mean, you're on campus at Mizzou. You're a star. You're yeah. getting treated like a star. Yeah. Right? So yeah. you got the run of the town. You can do yeah. whatever. Um, you know, you don't get drafted, but you have the level to be yeah. able to uh, uh, walk on or you go as a right. free agent and you get picked up. Right. I mean, what's going through your mind at that time? I think um, when I get picked up, it was mainly uh, I knew I was supposed to be there. Okay. And then uh, my attitude, again, is I don't want to play certain positions because I didn't understand that uh, I didn't get I didn't get picked up for that, right? So – why am I going to play? And then my agent didn't really put a lot of effort into me. Okay. Uh, I'm not saying no names, you know, cause he's still agent. So yeah, yeah. It, it's it. And he just didn't, put, because of the other people he had on his list, he didn't put a lot of effort into me. Okay. So it was like, uh, he could have got me better deals. He could have got me better situations and he just did it, you know? So I had a lot of resentment towards that. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to do my thing and, I'm going to just use this as a stone to, to meet people. And that's what I started doing with the league. Really? Is meeting a lot of people and uh, networking and, and understanding who people were and why they were doing the things they were. And then uh, I got a chance to go play in Europe. So I went to go play in Europe. Yeah. And I played for uh, Berlin Barcades. And it was fun. And it was, I loved it over there, you know. And then I got, um, I found out when I got, I came back to, uh, for the next season, I got waived, so Jacksonville picked me up, and then they waived me and allocated me back to Europe. So I went and played in Amsterdam. So at that time, I'm playing in Amsterdam, and in 2008, they stopped the league because uh, so, it was a basically a farm team for the NFL, right, is what it was. Yeah. Right, right. So uh, I came back and got. Uh, I was able to go play in Canada in Saskatchewan. Um, by the way, don't ever go there. Saskatoon. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to a colder place than that. Oh, dude. That, I, well, we used to travel all over Canada, and I tell you, it uh, is. Brutal. It is. It's brutal. It's the Midwest. Yeah. If you just go up from wherever you're at in America and you go into Canada, yeah. this culture is very, very similar. It's the yeah. Midwest, but yeah. on, on cold. Yeah. it's Yeah. yeah. But, um, and then I got a, uh, the, the cool thing is out of that, I got a, a, an opportunity to go play in, in Japan and teach English. Really? You played yeah. football in Japan? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's called how, Corporate Japan. How was, the, uh, how was the competition? Same. 
Okay, how was the competition? Only 22 Americans on every team. So how was the competition uh, like in Europe compared to Canada compared to Japan? Uh, undisciplined. Really? That and 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 honestly, it, it was uh, for a person who wants to like uh, who's not a big name, yeah. but you want to be known and be like infamous, I guess. Yeah. That's you go play overseas. Okay. Right? And they treat you like somebody would here. Really. For like a somebody who is in that limelight, like a Dion, right? Dion's like in the lime. He, he's known, yeah. right? But if you go there and you do well, and everybody knows you, and you're good, and you're good to the people, they'll treat you like that there. Okay, you know, you'll become their star, right? And it, it's a good career, right? And then in can in Japan, it was the same way because like um, like the people that I hung around there were. Uh, they were all Japanese owners and things like that, right? Yeah. And I love everybody, so it's I, I welcome everybody, and it was very easy for me to make friends with people there. And I don't know if you've ever been to Japan, but it's probably one of the cleanest, trustworthy places I've ever been to in my life. Really? And uh, I my wife chips out on this all the time because I tell her that story where you can leave your wallet, your phone, on a table in the restaurant. You come back three weeks later, it'll be there. Really? Yeah. Or it'll be there, or like they'll, they'll have it behind the counter, but nobody will steal it. It won't be because it's stolen, it's because they want to clean the table, right? You can leave your bike out, bikes don't, it, it's, people police themselves there, you know, and then your name is everything. Wow. So, um, but, you know, I, I went there and I made money tax-free, <laughs> and it was great, and it was uh, one of those experiences I, uh, like I said, I love, and I met a lot of people there that are still involved in my life today. What was your pinch me moment when you get into the, like when you start getting around the league and you said, you know, you, you like say NFL, when you were getting around and you said, Hey, I want to start meeting people and I want to start uh, understanding this. And I, I think that this is a, probably the least um, utilized skill and it's not taught in schools Mm-mm. to become friends with people Yeah, because like you were saying, I mean, you just said Matt Castle, my one of my friends is friends with his wife. Yeah. Although you need to get your boy because we asked him to come on the show. He hasn't been on the show yet. <laughs> but you played with him. Yeah. You don't know where you're going to meet up with him again. He ends up, you know, in the NFL, yeah. you know, all around. Yeah. What was some of the kind of pinch me moments when you started getting into the NFL um, and, you know, and, and starting meeting some of these people? Well, a lot of them had... Uh told me a lot like right as you seem more than a football player mm-hmm. and I would hear that right and I'd be like huh and then I didn't know what it under I didn't business wise I knew what they meant and like friend wise I guess that I knew what they meant right but because all I would do is work out and play football and that's what they know me for yeah right? But when I talked to them, when we would sit down and we would talk business, we would talk about, like, different things that were going on in the world, they would go, oh, you're so much more than football. Oh, you need to be doing this. Oh, you need to be helping them. And then all that stuff started going, well, I need to know what you're doing because you're coming to watch people play, but you're paying $10,000 for this seat, right? Because they'll be in the box seat, right? So I'd go, what are you doing to be there? And then that's when I started understanding is there's a reason why people do what they do. And there's a reason why people 
come here to watch. It's not for the game. It's for the network, right? People come to network. So I, there's something about that that I need to be a part of, right? And not having a big family base, I wanted more people in my life, you know? And everywhere me and Cheryl go, I know somebody, you know? And I make it a habit to do that. And I make it a habit to know that I can go anywhere, but because of how I am as a person, I'm not hated. You know, people like me. And I know I love everybody. So nobody could ever say, ah, oh, Joe, oh, no, mm-mm. bad guy. And I make it a point because now, especially, because now I have my son. So now he's going to know, oh, yeah, his dad's a good guy. And that's, you know, but from the league, that's when I knew that I had to get out of it because it was destroying me because my love for the league, my love for the football went away because it was always about money. Yeah. You know, and still to this day, I follow high school football uh-huh. and not college in the league. Okay. Because high school football, they play for the dream. And they yeah. play for that. You know, they still have the dream, the love for the game. They don't have, they have the money aspiration, but they don't understand that yet. Who's the example that you saw that kind of broke that mold that went through in the league and then broke through and you see them today and you're like, that's, that's a great example, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, an inspiration to me. Of what? Um, just anything. I mean, you, you know, when you're looking at, um, when you're talking about it, um, you know, a person, uh, it being about the money, right? Yeah. And, and high school being about the dream. What person that made it through college, through the pros, and then maybe is either in business or whatever it is, who's that example? Or is there any that inspires you today that has been through that process and is doing something on the level that you're saying, like, I like that? Yeah, Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Ray Lewis. He, he had his, because he had a downfall while he was in the league, uh-huh. and he picked himself up. When was that downfall when he got stiff-armed by Eddie George and got knocked out? Is that why? No. No? <laughs> nope. My, 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 friend, my friend is a Ravens fan. Her name is Jen. That's why I always have to get her. She's like, but uh, Ray Lewis ended Eddie George's career. And I'm like, I don't, I don't choose to see that because I'm an Oilers fan, Titans fan. Big ups to the Titans. Uh, Ray Lewis, you know exactly what I'm talking about when you got stiff-armed. If you don't, we'll, we'll play the clip. So he he, uh, he got stiff armed by Eddie George, and then and then what else happened after that? Joke? Well, that was one. You know, he he had a run in with the law. Okay. You know, but it it uh, ended up being to where he was. You know, he turned his life around. Yeah. By that, you know, and yeah, yeah. it woke him up. Uh huh. You know, and uh, he's a great father, and seeing him with his boys, you know, and and even his daughters, but with his boys, you know, I'm more of an inspiration with the boys, you know? Yeah. So it's like, when I see that, it's like, yeah, that's how I want to be as a father. Okay. You know? It's, it's not always, it's not about football. It's about health. It's about mental health. It's, and he, he reads the Bibles with his kids, like, and he does it consistently. Dion's the same way, you know? And it's, um, you know, he, when you get to that level and, and you see, like your idols, right? And some of them, you're like, eh, kind of not what I thought. Exactly. Right? Like you get too close to them. You don't want to see them. Yeah. Did you get a chance to experience Dion on a personal level, uh, you no. know, when you were through? Have not you got really. to meet him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I have. Yeah. But it was, it was it's quick. Yeah. It was very. Okay. Yeah. 
So yeah. the next time, Dion, when you come on the show and we talk about you knocking people out like Joe was talking about, that most of us haven't seen, we'll have Joe here too. Then that way you guys could talk. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I've, um, it got to the point where I was more so of, this is not who I want to be. Okay. And then getting traded, it, it didn't help that because I was always getting cut, traded, shipped. How many years. times did that happen? Five, six. How's that play with your mental side? It destroys you. Is it emotional? Yeah. Yeah. It's very emotional. And uh, especially, you know, not to default and belittle anybody's talent, you know, yeah. but. But when you're better than somebody. When you're better than somebody, but because who they are, they they get to be a 10th man on the roster. Instead okay. Of, and you get stuck at 13. Oh. And then now you're in the wave of getting moved and pushed. It It plays with your with your heartstrings, you know, of, of the game. Okay. So, so, so two sides, Joe, one, what, uh, you know, you're nine years old, you're running bricks, getting backpacks full of money on a GT performer. I'm still mad at right. you that you had one. Cause I didn't have one riding that back. What principles from then did you use to get yourself to the NFL? And what of those principles do you use in your today's business in your entrepreneurship and your success that you have right now i think uh i think what i like what i talked about this morning was is uh going all in okay and i was always pushed to do what i again it's has to do with my manhood right? like at it's, nine years old you have to go all in that's what you're yeah, saying because yeah. if you're half staff and you got those bricks in your backpack and you yeah. say stop by the candy store i yeah, mean it's, not gonna work. it's curtains yeah, it's not gonna work and on the way back if you come home with half a backpack because you bought some, yeah. you know, some noun laters, right. it ain't going to happen. It's not going to work. So what you're saying is, is and what, what other principles? Because I love this because I think that there's so many, I look at, say, I look at drug dealing, right? right? And I look at drug dealing, and if people would really take the emotion out of drug dealing, then drug dealing would be a pattern yeah. how to be successful in any business. Yeah. Number one. You got to get the best product at the best price. You've got to be able to have a, a profit in it. Yeah. And you have to create return business. Yeah. And you create discipline. You. So what else from that nine-year-old, the nine-year-old on the bike, the GG performer, NFL, what principles were you using? You were all in. That was number one. What was yeah. the next one? Is uh, really my work ethic. Okay. I work. Outwork people. Outwork people. Okay. You know, and um, for me, it's when I was playing, my um, my attitude is what I needed to work on. Okay. You know, but other than that, I um, I did what I was supposed to do. I just didn't did it. Just just didn't do it when I was supposed to do it. Okay. You know. So what about okay? What principles from juvenile hall were you able to utilize? to in your business today and this is when it's going to be this people are going to hear this don't sound bite me on this one what principles you learn in juvenile hall in both sides of it so you they had you had the gladiator part and then you had the the other part did you use in elite rooter today in Mm -hmm. your success and being a father Now, some people are going to yeah, soundbite me yeah. and be like, yo, you're trying to compare juvenile hall to being a father, but there's yeah. principles 
and principles are principles. You can utilize them. And it's like Lex Luthor and Superman. They both yeah. had the same powers. One just went the wrong way and one went the right way. And it's amazing because you went through all this stuff and you chose the right way. I think uh, learning how to time manage. Time manage. How learning so? how to get it as much done as I can. Okay. Uh, learning how to manage and balance my life with being like being a father. But it's like uh, knowing that I got to still go to school. When I was uh, in juvenile hall, I was going to school and making sure I was getting my grades, staying out of trouble, but going to practice and doing what I needed to do, right? Okay. But now it's I balance dealing with employees, dealing with that, their emotion, their emotional breakdowns, dealing okay. with payroll, dealing with, and then having to come back and not put that on my wife or my kid. Wow. And that's, it's like the hardest balance is knowing that I have to understand myself uh-huh. so I don't become self-centered in your emotion, right? Because some, most of the time is I care so much about what you're, what's going on in your life that I forget about me, right? And that's, that's what we do a lot with even our significant others most of the time, you know, is you don't have a lot of time for yourself. Because you're so caught up in making sure that, you know, I'm a protector, I'm a provider, right? So I protect her emotion, I protect her income, I protect her lifestyle, I protect her her confidence, I protect her self-esteem, I protect all that stuff, right? So that takes a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. I provide her energy, I provide her income, I provide her self-esteem, I provide her confidence, I provide her well-being, right? And that's how I think of myself. So that takes a lot of energy from me. And vice versa, right? My wife does the same thing in, in... in regards to me. So if I'm constantly not working on myself, I'm going to be lost because like, especially now that we have kids, like we have a kid, right? Is, um, now all of our energy as a couple is put towards making him a good human, making him see that it's okay to fail. It's okay to win. It's okay to, to try. It's okay to cry. It's okay to, be a protector. It's okay to provide for yourself. It's okay to be independent. It's okay to, you know, that you had had a potty accident. It's okay to, you know, all those things that you have to do to generate him emotionally, spiritually. Takes a lot of energy out of your you guys as a couple. So we have to work hard at being a couple and dating every day. I have to date her every day. So how'd you, how you how were you able to do this? Because most of the time, okay, you. You were saying, you know, you, you grow up, your mom's on, uh, your mom's on drugs. Um, you were saying, you know, uh, doing, uh, doing whatever, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. Your pop is in prison. Mm-hmm. Most kids, number one, go into the system at some point, yeah. right? You do, you go into the system. You start to show some of the same patterns that pop was doing, right? Kind of yeah. in the stuff, proving your manhood, doing all this stuff. The Joe I know, every conversation that we have, you're talking about your son, talking about how much you love your wife. You're talking about the example. How does this happen in one generation? Because most of the time, we, the cycle happens at least three to four generations. Yeah. And then somebody is a cycle breaker. Why are you the cycle breaker? And when did you, yeah. when did you start to become conscious of that? I think when I was in high school, at, at like I said, when I started playing and he gave me that ultimatum to either play football 
You started thinking about being a dad then? No, I started thinking about changing. Changing not you. being my dad. Okay. Not, be, oh, not being my dad. Yeah. Okay. And, and knowing that I wasn't my dad. I'm not as tough as my dad. I wasn't that kind of person. I didn't like, want to hurt people. I, I didn't want to do that off the field. Right? I wanted to, that's what I want to do on the field. Yeah. But I didn't want to do that on the field. I mean, off the field. I didn't want to hurt people. I didn't want to like, steal from people. I didn't want to lie to people. I didn't want to cheat people. I didn't want to do that. Right? So I had to become that person that I wanted to be. And that's, that's when I made that, I, I think, turning point in my life to where I was like, okay, I'm all in. I got to go all in. I got to do it. Yeah. And from then on in, I just, everything I do, I'm all in. I'm, I'm a heavy, heavy, heavy lover. I'm a heavy, 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 you know, when it comes to work, I'll outwork anybody. And that's my, that's my conscience, you know, and it sits on my conscience that I have to outwork. I have to outwork people. You know, I have to outwork you I, because I, it's like for me, I have to outwork myself every day. And that's what I mean by that is I have to outwork you. Yeah. And I, and I don't mean you, you know, I of mean course. me. Yeah, yeah. I have to outwork me, but I am you, right? Like, yeah. that, you know, yeah. so I have to outwork you. So how do you deal, because you're dealing with lots of people, uh, you got uh, elite rooter, um, your, you know, successes is, is coming. It's never overnight. And I don't want anyone to think like, oh, Joe just blew up. It didn't happen yeah. that way. Yeah. I saw a video of you on Instagram. And you were talking about the amount of, uh, you know, employees that you went to from one time yeah, to the yeah. other, which was amazing. Yeah. But I know, and you know, that this, and what people want to hear is, I got the keys to success. Three yeah. steps. I do. Add water. I'll, cuss, I'll cuss them. I, got, I do. It's called work. Yes, right? Right? Yes, that's all it is. So how do you deal, though, with the empathy when you're dealing with people and Joe's gone through what he's gone through? I was nine years old, GT performer, taking bricks, getting money. Yeah. I was in juvie at 10 years old. My mom died at 11. My dad died at 13. While I was in juvenile hall, I had to box. I had to play football. I went into a group home at 16 years old. I'm in an apartment by myself while high school kids are getting cars from their dad or their mom at 16, and I'm having to have food stamps. And you have a person show up late to work and is like, I was having a rough day because my cat kept me up all night. (laughs) I get it. How are you able to empathize with that when you got the background of what Joe did? Because it would be so easy for you to be like all day, you know, one pillow. Why? Why? It's because I learned. So a coach in in college, right? Yeah. Um, Coach Ross told me, he said, an ant's leg is an ant's leg to an ant. And and an elephant's leg is an elephant's leg to an elephant, which is the weight of something is, is on the person. Right, so it can be a reason or it can be an excuse. It depends on perception how you look at it. Right, the same reason why you're late can be an excuse why you're late. You know, so I can't judge you if you're saying that you can't get out of bed because you're stressed out. Because some people have anxiety, so they can't work. They can't. Their mind gets flustered. Right, so they can't do it. And then some people can go through death and go straight to work, and not even and not even bother them. But it's not my, it's not, I'm not, I'm not God. I'm not Jesus. I can't, I can't judge you. I can't, I can't tell you you can't do something because you're not supposed to. I can't should you, right? You should be able to do that. Yeah. I can't do that to you. I'm another human being. 
And you're not, you're like, what you do is not the reason why my dad did what he's, what he's doing. And you're not going to be the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Right. Because with or without you, if, if me and me and the people who are running the business can't run the business without you, we've done it wrong. And that's just simple, right? If I can't run my business without you, I'm not a good owner. I'm not a good manager. I'm not a good leader. If I can't run it without you, because I have to create something for you to be a part of, not to have you create something that I don't know nothing about. Wow. You know, it's like if you take your salon and the person that's doing the most business walks out, it's like the coronavirus, right? Love me some coronavirus. Right? It's like, well, you can't, you can't open. So what am I going to do? Well, if you don't know what to do, that's what's that that's where you got to start. Yeah. You know, but it's if you come in and say my my tire got flat. Well, you only got 4, right? So, I'm thinking okay, that's one every other month. You'll probably say that's flat. Okay, so that's 4 days. So, if your tire is always flat, then I got to come pick you up if I want it to change. Then what's your excuse? All right? My alarm didn't go off. Okay, I'm going to call you every day and make sure you pick up. My phone's off. Okay, I'm going to come to your door. So if I have to do that to you, then you don't want to be here, right? So you're going to end up weeding yourself out. Wow. And that's exactly what happens, right? If you don't come to work, because a lot of the guys that work for us, they're all commissioned, right? So if you don't come to work, if your wife and whoever you're with, your partner is okay with you making what you make, that's on them. Right. That's I can't control that. But you're not going to be able to make it here because we expect this. And I expect this out of you because I know I expect this out of me. So for us to meet at the same level, you have to have the hunger. Right. And then when I when I do the coaching with people. Right. And and they're telling me they want to change their life, but. They haven't did anything. You know, what's the first step? Well, you got to do this. I don't want to do that. Well, there you go. You know, you need to look in the mirror, right? Everywhere you go, there you are. And that's your problem first. So you got to deal with that. And then we start talking, you know, and, uh, yeah, but, well, I can't, I can't make you do something you don't want to do. So that's your problem is you got to control who you are, what you are, and what you want to be. And I, you know, my wife, I, we, we go through it all the time with, with supporting each other, you know, mm-hmm. and supporting each other as parents and as partners. It's what do you want to be? What do you want to do? How do you want to do this? How are we going to make time for that? What are we going to do here? Right. You're gone doing this. You got to Okay. What are we going to do this? Okay. So how are we going to do it? Okay. Well, let's, let's group it. Let's form it and let's do it together. Right. So now I made time to get up with my wife. So now we work out together. So now that's our time, and now we scheduled it, you know, because she's very, very important. Mm-hmm. So I have to make time for her because without her, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Literally, right now, in this seat, without her, I wouldn't be here because she's how I met you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it, it, it's like it's just that's how the world works. So what's the, you know, the biggest lesson for you from your pop? Don't let anyone challenge your manhood. Yeah. 
if you had to sum up your biggest lesson to your son, what would it be? Be understanding. I tell him that every night. I mean, to go, like, you, you, yeah. understand, you understand how much of a miracle you are. To go from what you came from, right, yeah. into not only the accomplishments, because you hear it all the time. Like, I, I came from, you know, n- absolutely nothing. I uh, played sports. I got yeah. to this level. I did that. You, this, this, I'm not saying it's super common. Yeah. Yeah. But in the professional sports realm, it's pretty common. Yeah. What you just said is not common. How important are fathers and husbands in today's culture and in what we're dealing with right now? Very, very important. And I, uh, I think right now is the biggest time for like, uh, like families to stay together to come together to support each other because it's a lot of dividing is going to happen before a lot of people come together. Right. So mm-hmm. that's just, if you're not ahead of the curve, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get swooped by it. So you got to get ahead of the tsunami. So what message would you give to the, like the young listeners out there? Cause some, some of the kids, they're at all different stages. So you're probably going to have some kids in high school that are saying, yo, you know, Joe, this is so amazing. I want to be able to make it to college and, and play in college. Uh, some people are in college right now. They're listening and they're saying, yo, Joe, like I want to make it to pros. You did that. Uh, some people are like, you know what, Joe, I'm done with college. I'm doing my thing. I've got a job. I want to own my own company. You're doing that. Some people are going to own their own company and be like, yo, I want to build a bigger team. You've already done that. Some are going to be like, I've got what I need. Um, Maybe my marriage is not that great. Maybe my relationship with my son or my daughter is not that great. What do you say to, I mean, obviously, if you had each individual, but what do you say in, like, you have a group of all those people. What's your message to them? And that's uh, sort of what I talked about today, right, on my uh, live was putting genuine, being genuine with yourself and becoming, uh, doing it for the right reason and doing everything for the right reason, you're always going to get the right result you want, you know. And um, if you go all in, to everything you do, you're going to get an all-in result. This is how life works. You know, um, the world doesn't crap on people that, that don't want it to. You know, it just, mm-hmm. it just doesn't happen. And it's, uh, you know, you could either drown in the pool or swim. It's depending on how you look at it, right? And business is no different. Businesses, I could either multiply, become a monopoly, become an empire with my life, my pattern, my soul, right? Because within within you, right, you have to be that person that believes in yourself. You have to be that person that believes in yourself for other people to believe in you because they're never going to see the confidence. Because some people are going, I believe in you more than you believe in yourself. I do not like when people say that. Because it, it, it's, I need you to believe in yourself more, right? 
I should never believe in you more than you believe in you because then I should be helping you on building your confidence and helping you become more visual of what you are as a person. And I should be supporting you more and I should be doing more for you to show you that it's okay, right? And you're not helping enough. If you can't see who you are, I got to make you help people more, right? Because that's how you understand who you are as a person. And that's why, you know, I had to, uh, a lot of my friends, you know, they, they, they seen that and they seen that the development of who I am as a person. And that's when I became more vigilant of my success is when I started helping people become successful for no, for, for no reason, right. Is helping people want to want to help them grow as human beings and provide for their family. And knowing that they depend on me to help them support their family. Right. Wow. And knowing that if I'm supporting you and I'm helping you grow as a person, I'm helping you grow, right? Um, it's just uh, a remarkable thing to watch somebody change their life from one one time making $10 an hour to now they're making thousands a week, right? It's it's an amazing thing to watch, their, their change. And then it's also you see the people who can't handle it to where it's like in football, right? You see the people where they weren't making nothing. And now they're making thousands a week and they're making, you know, 40, 50,000 a week. And now they don't know what to do with it and they blame it on their upbringing. Right. But it's because they didn't build the team the right way. and They didn't build a support team and they didn't understand how to, to do the things that they were supposed to do with the money. Mm-hmm. And they didn't listen in school because all those kids went to college. So they can't blame it on the fact that they got brought up wrong. And that's what I, that's one thing that I, it frustrates me about a lot. And I used to have this conversation in this, like this NFL mentor group. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, we used to go back and forth because the guy didn't agree with me. And, and I said, well, that's your opinion. I just think that all those kids that went to the NFL, cause you could, you can't go to the NFL straight from high school. You can't, right. Probably now you can, I don't know, but I don't think you can, but you can't. Huh. So you have to go through college. Yeah. So you learned something. So there's you can't tell me that you didn't learn. Or you chose not to. Right, right, yeah. right. But you didn't. You, it's like being around those, a big, you're around a 53-man team, 63 kids, right, on your team from all different walks of life. You can't tell me that you haven't learned how to manage money. I just, I don't believe it, right? So you make that conscious decision that you're going to blow your check that you're not going to invest it, that you're going to buy a Lambo, you're going to buy a, a, a bracelet, a, a Rolex, or, you know, you make that conscious, conscious decision. I've done it, right, to where I go, uh, I'll get it on my next check, right? I'll invest on my next check, you know, and you don't because now I got the next check coming. So it's, um, I think that's one of the biggest things that me and Cheryl are trying to uh, make sure Scott knows, which is money intelligence you know money literacy and and teach them how to save teach them how to buy things you know and teaching them what the value of a dollar is and value of uh well of trade right because mm-hmm. either you barter for 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 money or you barter for trade so it's it, it doesn't matter you know and then teaching them the power of reading and knowledge because i can buy anything you can't buy knowledge you got to understand it you know, you got to comprehend it. So, uh, I read a lot 
and that's why I was telling everybody if I read 52 books a year, I'm fit. It's 52 one advantage over anybody that doesn't, you know, and I read a lot of books. I read a lot. I listen to a lot of audio books, right? So, mm-hmm. but I do a lot of physical reading because it's discipline and it teaches me to physically read a book and I bounce back and forth. We were just, I was just talking about this the other day is I bounce back and forth with the Bible and read real books because they say a lot of the same thing. They're saying them different, you know? And it's just a matter of your perception on how you're reading it or what time of the day you're reading it, how you're going to perceive something, right? It's emotion that goes through you. If you read the Bible and then read something, you're going to perceive that different and vice versa. You know, if you watch the news and then read the Bible, you're going to perceive something different, right? If you come off a great day and everything is going right and you read the Bible, you're going to perceive it different, right? You go to church and you're having a great day, you're going to perceive it different. If you're going through it and you and you just did something wrong and bad, when you go to church, you're going to think they're talking to you, right? Yeah. He knows. He knows I messed up. He knows. I don't know how he knows, but he knows. He's looking right at me, right? And, and it happens all the time. And it's like when you go to jail, all of a sudden you find Jesus. But he's been there. Not to get religious, but it's like he's been there. So he's been there the whole time for you. So it's like now you understand that you need him, which is okay. You need him now more than ever because now you're starting to break down. And it's the same thing with all your other support system, right? Is You don't understand that you need your mom. You need your dad. You need your sister, your brother, your cousin because it's your support team. But if you don't understand what they really mean and they're, how they can support you and you're not willing to say that to them, how they can support you, you're never going to feel supported. You know, it's the same thing with, with, I think, with, with God and, you know. If you don't understand how they're supposed to support you, you're never going to think they're there. You know, and it's just, when I talk to my wife, when I talk to Cheryl, it's, we have that conversation, you know, all the time. And what's going on? All right, all right okay, cool. All right, we're good, all right. Okay, we're good, okay, you know, and it's, as simple as that, you know, and then it's, I, I started doing it to where now, like, we have our time set apart where it's just me and her uh-huh. and nothing. No TV, no book, no phones, no nothing, right? And we became so much more intimate like that, you know, um, spiritually, you know, and emotionally with each other. Sitting out there and I'm, you know, because I can look at my wife for hours, you know, and it, it's... Because she is an incredible human being. And it's like when, the with Scott, it's like I fell in love with her once she became a mom all over again, mm-hmm. you know? And it's a different type of love. And it's more powerful and it's deeper, you know? And then now when I see Scott, I see her. So it's like now I love her again, you know? And it's like every day I'm falling in love. And it's like I, I can't do that by myself. I need a support system. It's amazing to hear that because you you seeing the support system and seeing how important it is, especially coming, and I, I know I keep going back, but a lot of times people use your upbringing or your foundation as an excuse. You just debunked all those things. I've never heard the thought process of a person in the NFL because I've always given them a pass. You know, a, a person that, I mean, what is it, 85% of people in the NFL Go broke. within three years are bankrupt. Um 
but I always gave them a pass because I was like, well, where they came from, their acumen. But what you just said is, I mean, you went to college. You just chose not to learn. Yeah. Right? So I started this whole podcast for my kids yeah. because I wanted to humanize iconic people like yourself. Like the person who's accomplished what you, who's come through insurmountable odds. Literally, you could have been counted out at nine. You could have been counted out at 10. You could have been counted out at 12. You could have been counted out at 16. You could have been counted out when you were a knucklehead in 11th grade, chasing rabbits. You chose not to count yourself out, right? And the reason why I said this is because, you know, that's the reason why I started this whole thing is because I wanted my kids to understand that literally with a, with a great attitude. And I keep hearing that from you. I mean, every time you talk about your wife, you're smiling. Every time you talk about your little man, you're smiling. Your attitude is phenomenal. Most people would not have much empathy because you would be like, yeah, I went through all this stuff. You need to, you know, buck up where you're saying an ant's leg is an ant's leg to an ant. Yeah. What message? You just were around him. I can't, you probably couldn't believe how big McKenna was. And you saw Maddox. I'm sure that Maddox was scooting around at the time. He was one. So he was still doing his gorilla scoot. Yeah, he was one. If you could say their names to Maddox and McKenna, what message do you have to Maddox and McKenna? Um, They're starting off in the journey, 11 years old, 8 years old. What would that message be to them? I think... Um, to Maddox and McKenna is just to understand that your life is your life, but you're going to be able to understand as you develop that you got to be able to um, know that it's okay to be you and walk away knowing that the humility of trying is a lot better than not trying. Well, that's awesome because I think that with myself being raised with a brother who was a, uh, was outstanding in every single thing, my parents always told me that I was I was perfectly wonderfully made, yeah. and that just to be myself and just to to lay in to just be in me and I didn't have to play a high level of sports. I didn't have to do any of these things. I just had to be me, and it's a, a big lesson for both you, Maddox and McKenna, like. My, my do- uh, daughter, McKenna, asked me the other day, she said, Daddy, um, would you rather your kids, and talking about yeah, them yeah, too, yeah. would you rather your kids um, be really successful or would you rather your kids do exactly what they love? Yeah. And I said, baby, if you do what you love, you'll be very, very successful. Right. right? And, and that's one thing I say to Cheryl all the time is I'm doing what I'm doing all the time so that Scott can always use his curiosity, you know? And never have to be forced into doing something he doesn't want to do. I've done that. Mm-hmm. I did that. So now I'm doing it so he doesn't have to do that. But so he can always do it. And so he can always not have to do, you know, what he doesn't want to do. But I don't want him to never do nothing. There we go. Well, I think it's amazing. Uh, each and every one of you that is out there listening, at Happy 
uh, 24 seven, 365. Um, you see why I wanted to have, uh, Joe on the, on the podcast. Um, this, this man, uh, being a coach of yours, helping you to be able to not only, I watch him as fitness. I don't want you to coach me in fitness cause you'll kick my <laughs> butt. I watched those hundred pushups and made me want to throw up. Um, but I love it because you're not only coaching people physically, um, more importantly, you're coaching people mentally, spiritually, and, and in business in the right way. Then you're what, what I heard you say is when you do the right thing for the right reason, the right things will happen. So I want to thank you so much for being on the show, Joe. Um, if you want to get a hold of them again at happy 24, seven, 365, Joe Shumpert, elite rooter. This guy is on fire. Thank you for having me. You got it. Appreciate it. I love it. I can't wait for part two. Yeah, We're going to talk absolutely. more about Dion. We're going to we're going to get some Matt, Matt Castle. We're out there. We're coming for you. We're going to call you right at the end of this and ask you why you haven't yeah. been on the show, Matt Castle, uh, which I think will be good. So you're off the hot seat. If you're listening, subscribe, click the link, do all the things that you know you're supposed to do. There's going to be shameless promotion to Piper Diamonds uh, sponsors the, uh, the this episode, uh, Cardenas Law Group uh, sponsors the episode, and any other uh, sponsors that we have, I want you to to patronize them. I want you to do what you need to do. Subscribe, click the links, do the whole thing. Joe, you're off the hot seat. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Blessings.